Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the very first episode of A Brighter Tomorrow, a show about the future and why it will be better than you think. On this episode, I spoke with author, futurist and Wired Magazine founder Kevin Kelly about some of the challenges we should expect to face in the not-too-distant future. Please enjoy. Kevin Kelly, welcome to the show. Uh, It's my pleasure being here. I appreciate being invited. So I will have given you a proper pre-recorded introduction, sure but just thing. for anyone who might be listening to this having not read your books, not seen any of your TED Talks, can you maybe just give us a brief uh, description of your career and uh, maybe what you're spending your time on at the moment? I package ideas. I was one of the co-founders of Wired Magazine as part of that, and I used to edit long ago another magazine called The Whole Earth Catalog, Whole Earth Review, which was about um, conceptual news wired was about the culture of technology and um these days i write books about the culture of technology and my current research project is generative art using ai uh the ai's creativity to assist my creativity so it's having ai helpers in uh writing, photography, painting, things like that. Okay, that's not something I'm particularly familiar with. How does that actually kind of work on a, a practical level? What was the kind of interface between you and AI when it comes to creativity? So for writing, of course, you can give it prompts. You can say, um, here's the setup, um, what happens next? Or um, describe this dialogue between these people given this situation here. Or, um, you know, this has happened so far, keep going. Um, you can do something kind of similar with um, visuals, like you can give an AI a, a doodle or something, and it will create a photographic image of that doodle. Or you can take um, existing material of two parents and say, "I like to have something that's in between." You know, here's here's some botanical illustrations, and here's some photographs of spaceships. Give me something that's in between these two. And are you finding that? genuinely useful or is it more of an experiment both okay there is um i I like to get to the point where i can actually have it write science fiction short stories with me right so um, i've written some stories with it so it's useful in the sense that it's we're on a path but 
I, you know, it's not really um, not quite at the point where it's um, viable by itself. So it's an infinite. So, 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 so we're, we're kind of like the toddler stage. And so is our toddlers useful? Mm, kinda. I remember watching recently uh, a short film that was made based on a script written by an AI. It was a sci-fi film. And it was kind of interesting as an experiment, but it was, uh, you couldn't really follow it. It was, um, didn't really make a lot of narrative sense. So that's what I've been learning. I've been learning so far that AI uh, is, I would put it, has a very short attention span. And it's um, best at filling in short segments, details, and things that, that the long narrative arc, it's too dreamy, yeah, too uh, surreal at, at times. And so, um, I don't, so that's why I'm not saying the AI is going to write it. It's just going to work as an assistant with me. Right. Okay. So you're very well known for uh, being quite an accurate predictor of the future, but I actually wanted to start by asking you uh, a couple of questions about the recent past. So back in 2007, you did a TED talk, which was called the next 5,000 days of the web. And as it happens now in 2020, that is roughly 5,000 days. So um, I wanted to ask you what, if anything, you've found surprising about uh, the growth of technology over that time period? I actually, yeah, I actually forget what I was saying was going to happen in the next 5,000 days. Um, but um, a, a lot of it actually hinged on not being sure what it would be because yeah, yeah. Um, it was about how often it's the unexpected. So things like mm -hmm. no one would have expected Google Earth to appear right. and be free because it seems like too much of a big job. Sure. So a lot of it did kind of hinge on not being sure um, what was going to happen next. I would say generally my, my take on predictions, as you call them, is to try to, to predict the future as much as possible. To say, here's something happening that seems like it's from the future and there'll be more of it. But what we can say about the future is generally this, the larger scale forms of it, I think we can, are inevitable and therefore maybe we can forecast mm -hmm. but the specifics are always inherently unpredictable so the iphone something you carry in your pocket might have been easily anticipated and was inevitable but the iphone itself was inherently unpredictable so um what have i been surprised by it was a really fair question um in the last five thousand days i think i think i have been surprised by how deep and pervasive social media became. I, I was not expecting it to uh, seep so deeply into people's lives that they would actually, you know, be checking it constantly all day long. Yeah, that was unexpected. I, you know, the idea of having the social graph. Okay, that 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 to me was perfectly understandable, and I could kind of imagine it coming. But the but this kind of um, I wouldn't call it an addiction, but this deep, um, constant refreshing of it um, by non-nerdy types, by by everyday housewives, by uh, you know kids, that um, was surprising to me. I think, and so um, and and the shift. Okay, yeah, and the sh okay. This is was surprising. The shift to relying it for news caught me off guard. I I the the fact that people rely on Facebook for news was unexpected. And something else that was unexpected, um, 
that I would not have believed is that people would watch movies on their phone. If 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 you if you had asked me to 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 bet on that, I was like, I don't think so. I don't think anyone's gonna watch a movie on a little tiny screen like that and be happy about it or even prefer it. So that was a surprise too. So my day job is actually with a film uh, production and distribution company and uh, I used to work in cinemas. So I've worked in the film industry for almost 20 years mm-hmm. and I was very much of the same opinion, but I do sometimes find myself just watching things on my phone or at least on my iPad. Right, right. Um, but I've been to some cinemas where if you're sitting in the back row, the screen is so far away from you, yeah. that even though it's big, if you hold up your phone an arm's length, from your perspective, it's bigger than the cinema screen <laughs> and probably a higher resolution. So, uh-huh. But yeah, no, I've definitely been surprised. And I'm glad you mentioned social media there because that's actually the next thing that was on my notepad as a kind of follow-up question. Uh-huh. Um, because I wanted to ask you if you felt that our technological development had been basically all good or if there are you know inherent problems no i no i think um almost half of what we produce is harmful really as much as half right so so in the long term i mean it's it's all it's all it's all um freighted with problems and issues and downsides and costs so so another way to say it is that you know whatever the forever benefit we have there's a cost to that a trade-off so i believe in trade-offs and so so you can't really engineer anything without having trade-offs and every benefit is going to have a trade-off somewhere else so so i think that there's a very large uh, portion of things that we invent that have costs and those costs you can say are problems or it's harmful whatever it is if they they cost something that you have Mm. to pay for it in some way and so um it doesn't mean necessarily that it's going to kill people. I just mean that there is a cost to it, and I would call that put that in the negative category. And so, um, uh, but the reason why I'm totally optimistic is because if we create even one percent more than we destroy every year, I think that's progress. I think that's protopia. And and the problem is that one percent is invisible. You can't see one percent difference. Mm. You can only see it in retrospect. You can only look around and see it compounded over time. So, so the, 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 that, that difference of, of the, the net gain is not really evident in the moment. The net gain is only evident, accumulated, and compounded in the past. So you have to look behind you. Yeah. So I, I say that my optimism is based on history. So one thing that I've heard you speak about quite a lot is... AR. I was recently reading the Mirror World article that you wrote. Uh, I think last year. Are you surprised that that isn't one of the things that's that's picked up recently? Because it kind of feels like the technology is there, but apart from with things yeah. like gaming, it's not particularly having that much of an impact at the moment. Technology is not there. That's the thing. I think this is a twenty-year. I tried to indicate that. I think this is a twenty-year enterprise, a twenty-year project. The technology is not there. There's a lot of technology that work, and there's enough technology that it will begin to slowly creep into people's lives. Uh, my prediction is that most of this AR will be first encountered at work, in a workplace. <clears throat> not necessarily, at, in fact, at places, at, at jobs that don't have desks is where it's most likely to, to first um, come, like working in a warehouse or repair and things like that. 
but I think it's going to be very slow because um, AR and and places like VR are kind of like a, 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 a it's a magic trick. It's a magic trick that the chain of believability and persuasion can easily be broken. Um, and I'll give you an example: the field of view, the field of view that you see this magical view of either an alternative world or this mirror world on top of the real world. If that field of view is not sufficient, then you're seeing something different out of the corner of your eye or whatever. And that breaks the, the spell. So you need a pretty wide field of view. You need pretty strong contrast. You need a bunch of other technical things that we don't quite have yet to maintain that illusion. And so um, there's, you know, battery issues and all, and a bunch of other lighting issues that are still very technically t- difficult to do, mm-hmm. and getting it all into a, a wearable, um, a wearable like a, like smart glasses, I think is we're still a ways away. It's sort of like auto driven, hundred percent auto driven cars. It's sort of like that first ninety five percent is an achievement, but that last 5% is 95% of the work. You know, it's, right. it's, it's really, really hard to, to, to move the, the reliability of a self-driving car from, from 95% to 99.999%, which is what we want. Those last, that last percent is so, so hard. It's harder than all the other 99 before it. And in the AR t- t- technological, uh, um, challenge it's very very similar there that, that you know we, we we can get 90 percent of it but that's not going to be really good enough for street consumer adoption it it's, it'll be good enough to work with some applications probably uh, at work yeah and i guess especially things like say you're using ar for a heads-up display because you're a pilot that's another area where you definitely can't have 95% accuracy because that would just be absolute carnage. So I, so I think both of these, just to give examples, are still going to be a long time in coming, completely autonomous. So, we, but, but we don't need completely autonomous driving. We can have um, uh, highway lanes where you can take over or a car can take over and drive on a highway lane, dedicated lanes, or you could have it just to park. Um, so, so there will be plenty of ways we can have kind of ease into it you know there's different yeah. levels of autonomy and stuff and so um we'll have all those but we aren't going to reach that kind of paramount state for decades looking slightly further ahead then let's say we look at um the next five thousand days roughly that's 13 14 years how would you expect people's everyday lives to change over that time period so if we look ahead to say the year 2035 so it sounds like by that point you would expect us to probably have partially automated cars. But uh, what are some of the other things that you would expect to change over that time period, just from the point of view of being a, a regular person rather than someone who's ultra wealthy, for example? Some of the things I don't think would change would be kind of the general shape of cities and houses and stuff like that. So I would just like to set that aside. Flying cars will be um, for the rich. You know, there will be personal drones used for, you know, things like ambulances and special use cases. Um, Again, I don't 
but not really reshaping the environment very much. Um, I think um, how we work will be one of the things that will be changed. And we are seeing a little bit of that evidence in COVID right now and the idea of the tools of collaboration and collaborating at a distance will have evolved. So teleconferencing stuff will be much, much better. Probably having the 3D spatial component that we were just talking about, they are, but maybe closer to VR where you are, you know, um, in a synthetic room, maybe both of those. But I think the idea of um, collaborating, um, tools that allow collaboration uh, among people at a distance will even be used by people who are working in the same building. So, so, so even if you're not at a distance, you'll be using these tools of collaboration. I think um, everyday life, it's possible that uh, in 13 years um, that there'll be um, much more Siri-like, Alexa-like AI presence uh, where um, we are working again with these interfaces and those interfaces could be just voice, but they also could have screens and use gestures and maybe even the AR smart glasses. So so I would say in 13 years, we have smart glasses of some sort. And those smart glasses, again, may not give us the full mirror world, but they even may, may just be used for to recognize our gestures um, so that we can interface with, say, AI in not just using our fingertips on a keyboard. So. Maybe another way of saying this is I think we will migrate in our interface with things using more visual, three-dimensional um, interfaces rather than just keyboards and the swiping on the phone. So that would be, and that will, you know, that would change how people spend their day because mm. they won't be necessarily sitting at a laptop typing. They'll be in a maybe a more full full sensory kind of input interface and as we use those tools to make ourselves more effective and more productive would you expect that to mean that we will end up working less or do you think we'll see more of the trend that we've had recently of essentially large corporations using the increased productivity to just bank more uh, more profit for themselves while they lay people off so I know this isn't a technology question, but it's technology adjacent, where uh, if one person can now do the job of three people, essentially the company can slash two of those people. Would you expect um, that kind of behavior to change relatively soon? Well, I, I think what's happening is a little bit more complicated, and that is, yes, um, technology increases productivity, but also increases the possible ways uh, of people earning money. There are a lot of less people who are secretaries in typing pools because now everybody's typing for themselves. Um, but there is a whole army of people designing web pages that didn't exist before. So I see the work being shifted. Certain kinds of jobs go away, no longer needed. Those people have the unfortunate experience of being um, redundant. but there's whole new things, whole new possibilities of of, of uh, where people can uh, add value and make money happening all the time, created by technology. 
So my my sense, and this is seems to be true, is that the um, number of new opportunities exceeds the number of uh, reduced old opportunities. So where does that optimism come from when uh, quite a lot of people say the opposite? So just to take an example, Elon Musk is someone who thinks that AI will basically eradicate most people's jobs? Yeah, well, um, it's not evidence-based. That statement is not based on actual evidence. That's a projection, mm. and I think it's going to be incorrect. It's sort of like um, what we we're just talking about: um, auto-driving cars. So there's there's um, there's a lot of things that people expect about the future that I think is not based on the actual evidence of what's happened so far. Yeah. So if you look back to the '60s, everyone thought that by now we'd have flying cars and robot butlers, and unfortunately, we don't have either. Well, yeah. So um, one of the one of the common things people say was, well, an individual because of technology, an individual now has more power to kill more people, right? That that one person, a rogue person, could kill millions of people. Well, um, if that was true, we would see some kind of evidence up until this date where that number of people that one person could kill has has been increasing. But we don't see that at all. We see it absolutely flat. One person might kill maybe a hundred people uh, uh, at the most, but we don't have any, maybe a thousand if they burnt down a building. Um, but we don't have any indication that that's ever increased any. There, there's, no, there's no evidence of that. So the idea that suddenly tomorrow someone's going to kill a million people by themselves just isn't supported by the evidence. And that's all I'm saying. So in terms of jobs, the evidence is basically that technology creates more jobs than it destroys. That's the evidence. Could it change tomorrow? Maybe, but it's unlikely. So if you're not so concerned about that as a problem, what are the problems that concern you more or potential problems looking at the next couple of decades? Yeah. Cyber war. Very concerned about cyber war because we don't have rules. We don't have any global rules about what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. It's a very um, amorphous uh, place, and it's very hard to account for what happens. One could easily imagine a disaster coming to f- that would force you know some articulation of what the rules should be. So the fact that there aren't any rules in that area, we have rules of warfare for other areas, chemical and biological stuff. We have a we have an agreement that we don't do these things. We don't have that agreement yet. Like, is it okay to take down someone's banking system um, or not uh, in a war situation? Is it okay to target hospitals or not? Uh, we don't have a, a worldwide agreement because we don't have a worldwide agreement that is of concern to me. And is that primarily how you see cyber war um, taking taking out infrastructure and things like that rather than remotely finding a way to detonate a nuclear power plant yes it that's far more insidious it's very unlikely that well because we have an agreement about nuclear that someone's going to set off a a state will set off a bomb um it's much more likely that you know um going into the voting system going into hospitals uh trying to disrupt companies is um more probable and you know in the and again the evidence seems to support that in terms of what we've seen so far so uh cyber war does worry me um 
And um, the other thing for the long term that does concern me is the fact that we might begin, again, this is all hypothetical, there's no evidence for this, but we might begin in the long term, over 100 years, to, to speciate, to, 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 to alter some people's genes but not other people's genes. And part of the reason why we are able to, the prog a progressive person is able to um, counter racism is because we can rightfully claim that we're all the same. But if we really aren't all the same, that, that's a harder argument to do. We have to kind of find another commonality besides genetic continuity or genetic homogeneity. So if, if again, we can claim right now that basically that there's no differences between peoples of the world. We're really all the same. But if we start to, to engineer some people differently than others, we can't claim that. We can say, you people are like that because you're different than us. And that that's going to be a much more challenging environment to try to, because you have to kind of widen the circle of what we believe we have in common. So what might those changes look like? Because obviously, if you're talking about altering someone's genetic profile, you can essentially do anything once you properly understand it. Right. But what might people actually want to change? Well, first of all, they're going to legitimately try to eliminate diseases. Yeah. So that doesn't sound like something. Actually, I suppose it could. I suppose if you have some people who have had disease eliminated, then you've got a reason to say you can't come to our country. Absolutely. There will always be a side effect. That's just the nature of these systems. There'll be some side effect, you know, okay, you don't have this disease and then maybe you're slightly more prone to. I don't know, um, uh, fainting seizures or you're prone to strobe lights when you watch a movie or whatever it is, there'll be, there'll be something. And, and that difference will be real. And um, then from that, um, you can, there's the opportunity for prejudice, for prejudging, for, for stereotyping. And that's, and that's just something, you know, very, very simple and frivolous and trivial, but over time, um, if you start to add, uh, particularly if you're adding qualities or you're removing things with the idea that they will change something over here that does add, you legitimately have an argument that you're different and um, deliberately so. And so that, that, again, that leaves room for prejudice. And so in order to counter that, we have to have something wider that we hold in common. So I'm saying I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying I I worry about that, <clears throat> meaning that there there's certainly um, room for problems that I don't see how they're solved right now. Yeah, it's kind of like what you were saying about social media. Obviously, very different topic, but how it kind of seemed benign to start off with, but there is actually uh, a risk there that we hadn't anticipated. Yeah, well, every sing I, I believe that all the problems that we have today, actually, almost, I would say 99% of the problems that we have today have been caused by our inventions and creations of the past, hmm. right? So, 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 so the technologies of the past have caused most, if not all, the problems of today. And I would say that 
the same thing. 99% of the problems in the future are going to be caused by the technologies that we're inviting today. Well, let's say that those things don't get us. We managed to work those out. And, um, and they will create new problems. So the technologies that we use to solve those problems will create new problems themselves. <laughs> Absolutely, for sure. So does that mean, despite your optimism, you don't necessarily think that we'll find some sort of Star Trek-style techno-utopia? I reject utopia 100%. I'm a protopian. I believe in progress. I believe in this incremental 1% tiny, hardly perceptible betterment that's compounded over centuries slowly to get civilization. I reject utopia as misguided, harmful, uh, impossible, and undesirable. We'll be right back after these ads, unless there aren't any. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Okay, so let's say um, we continue on this slow improvement for, say, 150 years, something like that. Looking a bit further ahead in that kind of time frame, yeah, what would you kind of picture life looking like? Yeah, it's really, really hard to imagine. Um, it's very, very difficult to imagine. I think we will have the mirror world uh, completely substantiated by then. Basically, we have a machine-readable world. We have, we have a digital twin of the, particularly the built world. And maybe some of the, even the natural world is included, and um, so we can. Um, so everything is uh, digitized, and most of our own movements and behavior is digitized too. It's total surveillance. 
Okay, so um, in order to to operate within the murder world, you have to track my movements, what I look at, what I'm seeing. That's all being done by those smart glasses, and it's being captured and processed in some ways. And so that information is holding. So so that gives us um, a way to have tremendous uh, evidence based. Uh, policy and behavior and also we can finally uh, begin to meld that with health uh, information so i i would say one thing is we would um start already be living longer um we would have um a better uh grasp of a higher quality of old age as well because we would have so much medical information um being captured lifelong um that we can match it to what we know about how the cells work and so finally have um you know a great system we would have by that time i believe and certainly in part propelled by what's happened with covid we would have implemented universal health care universally meaning around the globe that's one of the silver lining consequences of covid is that it's going to require us to remember that we have global health that we can't have just national health in order to maintain cities over time we have to have constant testing mandatory vaccines uh and reaching all the people because viruses can just they don't they don't obey boundaries whatsoever so we by that by 150 years we would have much more of a global approach to um health and i think we're going to have um a lot more nuclear power um every every vehicle will be electric by by then um except for some you know car shows where some old gasoline clunkers will be shown but we'll transition to a predominantly electric energy system lots of nuclear maybe some fission a, uh, a fusion by then that's not impossible um and I think we'll predominantly be an urban, um, by then, we'll be an urban um, society. I would say, you know, maybe closer to 90%, 95% of people living in cities. And the other thing in 150 years is that the population of the planet will probably be um, 150, probably be half of what it is right now. So there'll be only half the people on the planet. And that is the other thing that I worry about. Worry about it in terms of that not happening and there being overpopulation no, or no. that we, it will happen and we'll have underpopulation. Right. That, that, that every year you have fewer and fewer people to sell to. You have fewer and fewer people to work for you. You have fewer and fewer people generating ideas. I think that's really, that's a, a very tough thing because so far, our image of progress has derived from expanding population. We have no experience on this planet with rising uh, prosperity and shrinking population. Rising prosperity has always been accompanied by a rising population. So this is this is a brand new kind of kind of like a rethinking of capitalism. All these things because it's a brand new. Way we have to have a completely different kind of growth. We're not going to have the growth that we have 
been experiencing, which is just the expansion of people, the expansion of materials, the expansion of everything. We have to have a different kind of growth. Wouldn't it be balanced out, though, by things that we've talked about? So you said not enough people to sell to, not enough people coming up with ideas. Right. But one of, the, one of the first things we talked about was you using AI to help generate ideas and help increase creativity. So couldn't half the number of people still achieve just as much? And, and presumably in the future, we'd have different economic models anyway. So, Well, yes, we would definitely have to have different economic models. And, and, and the question is, um, what would they look like? Let's say that, that every year you had fewer and fewer people to purchase your things, no matter where they came from, whether they were being, you know, even if you had fewer and fewer employees. But um, do we expect people to buy more and more things as the population shrinks? Is it kind of like disposable? Where, 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 does, the, where does the audience come from? If every year you have let's let's say you really accelerate and you have to you have just just kind of as a thought experiment you half the number of people every year, so every year your audience would shrink by half. How how would you operate? Or even if it just shrunk by ten percent, you're gonna have ten percent fewer people watching what you do. How do you grow? Uh, I don't know. I mean, under. Well, that's system, all I'm saying. You, I'm you not don't. saying it's impossible. I'm saying that is a problem. That's a challenge. That's that's something we have to figure out what that means. Every year, there will be 10%. It's, it's not 10%, but just as a thought experiment. You have 10% fewer people in the whole pool of the planet. So one of the things that that does, that kind of demographic explosion, that implosion that's coming, it also means that there will be huge competition for people. And this whole thing right now where we have this immigrants being turned away will never happen again because people, real people, will be in such huge demand that I think we're finally come up with um, a universal right of migration, of movement, that, that, that if you are born on this planet, you have the right to live anywhere on the planet that you want as long as you obey local laws. So um, that, I think, will come to be seen as a native human right to live anywhere you want on the planet if you obey the local laws if you don't like the laws you move and, and and the thing is is that all these cities and places will be trying to modify the rules whatever it is to attract people to come because there's going to be a shortage of people so i've got to jump back to something else you said that i thought was unusual which is more nuclear yeah what makes you say that because obviously it's the, that's the, not it's the greenest it's the greenest energy that we have right now but in say uh, well first of all is it yeah so what's the problem with say wind there's just not enough of it okay solar is that to do with the mining of the rare earth materials no no it's just simply there's just simply not enough it's, I think we'll have lots of solar, and, 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 and I, you know, we have solar here. You know, I would suggest or hope that most rooftops are just covered with solar tiles, the kind of things mm -hmm. that Tesla is working on. That would be common, and, um, but that's not sufficient. So do you think that these various challenges, do you think it's actually good that we'll be maintaining kind of a level of challenge? Or if it were possible, do you think a kind of techno-utopia would actually be preferable or do you no. think people need i think it would be horrible i think it's uh 
and, and I think even the thought of it is very dangerous because it suggests that there is some endpoint or some destination. We're we're mm. not on we're not headed to a destination. There's no destiny. There's there's directions. Um, we have directions, but not we're infinite in all directions. Basically, we're going outward. It's an infinitude. It's open ended. We're not converging on some omega endpoint. So, what would you say to the um, Arthur C. Clarke quote? Uh, the goal of future is full unemployment, so we can play. Do you think that employment is actually an important part? Of that, or do you think we could not be employed, but also still have these kind of societal challenges to deal with? I think it's just reimagining. I, I think employment is probably the completely wrong metaphor for our goal. I can't remember the last time anybody I spoke to talked about their employment. I don't. I. I don't. I couldn't even tell you whether I'm employed or not. I, that doesn't. That doesn't even register. That. That's just not even the right metaphor. So, what we want, everybody on the planet who's born, is born with a slightly different mix of talents, and, um, we are trying to make a, a world. We're trying to create with our minds a world in which every person born has the opportunity to uncover and unleash their talents to the fullest. And because it's a mix of that and because they're very different, there are times when the absolute the tools necessary to release unleash those talents are not available. Imagine Mozart being born before anybody invented the piano. What a loss that would have been. What how awful uh, a loss for him and for us if someone had invented the tools for his genius to be shared. And that's true for the cinematographer, Lucas, if he had been born before anybody had remotely made anything like a camera. And so um, uh, what we want is we want to equip everybody with those possibilities and to invent those possibilities to unleash those geniuses all around and all time. And um, when if we do if we do supply that technology then then they are producing working creating something and by its nature um, if there's a couple billion people you if you have a one in a million idea you've got a thousand people who are interested in supporting you you can keep going you can do it um, it takes less and less money or oversight for us to produce the basic food and shelter so. People are left with the time to create. Are they? Is that a job or is that play? Well, that's the whole point. It's both at once. The people who are doing what they are born to do, so to speak, make no distinction between play and work and don't even use the word employment. So can everybody on the world do that? Yes, they can. Everybody born can find in theory if we supply them all the right stuff and all the right opportunities and all the right clean energy and water and shelter yes every person alive can do that and that's the goal that we're that i am aiming for okay we're coming close to the end of our time so keeping that goal in mind 
if you were to lay out a plan for, say, the next hundred years, uh-huh. you were asked to help develop a kind of guide sure. that we will follow. What kind of things might be included in that guide? Where do you think we need to be focusing our energies? Sure. It's a really great question because I'm involved with the Long Now Foundation where we try to take long-term responsibility seriously. The way we put it is we want to become good ancestors. So I think having a long-term perspective is one of the most essential things for that assignment is you want to understand that there may be things that scale up in time. You want to kind of start things now where the benefits may actually accrue most for people in the future rather than right now. And one of those kinds of investments would be, I think, investing heavily, far more than we do, uh, into basic science uh, research, pure science research. Science and technology um, invest uh, research is by far the highest leveraged thing that we can do with our money. Education may be included in that. So the U.S. spends some insane amount of trillions of dollars on war machinery and stuff like that. And even half of that, a quarter of that, went to basic science and technology research, things that may not pay off for two or three decades. That is the biggest and most powerful investment and shift that we could do as a society, including, I will include that in education as well. So um, that's the shift that I would do. I would, you know, I would make universal education at all levels um, better. I would teach the skill of how to learn how to learn. Um, I would, um, universal healthcare, you know, maybe even UBI, that remains to be seen. We'll have to see what the evidence is. I'd like to, that's a, it's a worthy experiment to try. And um, uh, I, I think um, the universal right of human migration would, and global government. The final thing I would say is that we have global problems and we need global governance. And so I would work and try and to develop a global governance and um, uh, a global enforcement system uh, and taking away the the weird, uh, taking away the war powers of nations, basically, M- making a, a, a police state rather than a, a, a war state for the entire um, globe. So those are my first thoughts. So for anyone who wants to learn a bit more about those first thoughts, is there anywhere in particular that people can go to learn more about uh, what you have to say, where they can find your sure. work, anywhere in particular to direct them? Yeah. So I have a blog called The Technium that I very these days infrequently um, post on, but if I write something, I do post it there. I have a weekly newsletter called Recommendo, one pager that goes out to at this point 50,000 people. It's free. Uh, every week, every Sunday morning, we, uh, uh, me and Mark and Claudia, we make six recommendations of great stuff that um, you should be, that we are loving. Um, tools, stuff to f- watch, things to read, places to go, stuff like that. And finally, I've been working on a book that will be released next, late next year called Vanishing Asia. It's um, a thousand pages, oversized pages. It's a huge, huge book with 9,000 images, 9,000 photographs and 9,000 captions that I've taken over the past 40 years of the disappearing culture of Asia. 
Um, and it's remarkable. There's no other book like it. And I have an Instagram uh, feed right now called at Vanishing Asia, where I release one image a day just as a preview. Okay, I will look out for that and I'll put some of those details in the show notes. Sure. Uh, so finally, I like to end on a high note. So one word answer. I hope this doesn't backfire. Uh-huh. In general, are you optimistic about the future and our place in it? I am off the chart optimistic. Excellent. I'll take that as a yes. Kevin Kelly, thank you so much for being on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I appreciate your great questions and um, it was a real pleasure. Thank you. Keep up the good work. Thanks for listening to this episode of A Brighter Tomorrow. As this is a new show, we don't have a regular release schedule, so I strongly suggest you subscribe on your favourite podcasting platform. You can also follow us on Twitter at BrighterPod or join the conversation on Reddit at r slash BrighterTomorrowPod. Also, if you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving a review as it really helps us to climb the charts and reach more people. Finally, you can email us at BrighterTomorrowPod at gmail.com if you want to say hello. Thanks again and see you next time. 